0: Hey, good morning. Good to see all of you here today. Good to have all of you joining us online. And as I say, all, man, my prayer is that we all have the same goal. We all have the goal of connecting all people to a God-sized life and love. And as we aim toward that goal, it's our, it's our target to be a church that our community, the 804, cannot imagine being without. And that is a tall order. That That is a God sized goal. And as I talk about that being God's call on our life, we might say, well, wouldn't, wouldn't that be the call on every believer? Wouldn't that be the call on every church? And I, yeah, I suppose it probably is. And we might look around and say, well, it doesn't seem like every believer's answering that call, or even every church. But our goal today is not to much as figure out why that might be or what's happening, but to ask the question, how? How can I be a believer, a Christ follower, who is walking on a path that God will do God-sized things through. How can we be that church as we bring our individual walks with Christ together as the body of Christ? How can we be that church? And uh, as we work toward being on that path, ask, uh, being there, we have put together seven questions, seven measurements, seven ways of looking at our lives. I hope not like once a year, but like all the time. Uh, certainly weekly, we're asking ourselves these kinds of questions. And our seven questions, let me teach you a little bit about them. There's, there's, there's two hows, three where's, and two who's. That's very important. Did you get all that? Uh, two, two hows, three where's, two who's. The two hows. The two how questions really have a lot to do with with this part right here, the vertical relationship with God. They're not exclusively dealing with that, but by and large, when we're asking those questions, we're really just looking in this direction right here. But it's how am I growing, which we looked at last week, and how am I worshiping? The three where's really are kind of aimed at this relationship, the whole body of Christ and how we together be that body of Christ. So it's where am I investing? Where am I connecting? Where am I serving? And then we have two, who, two who's, uh, not the who's from Whoville, but two who questions. And they, are, they still kind of include the body of Christ, but it's more of an individual relationship and it goes outside the body of Christ. So who am I reaching? And, and who am I coaching? So those are our seven questions that we're teaching about, learning about right now that we want to use in our lives. Last week, we started with, how am I growing? And now for the next three weeks, we're looking at two questions a week. So today, uh, how am I worshiping and, and, and where am I investing? So first of all, we're looking at worshiping. Now, when you, when you hear the word worship, there's probably a building that comes to your mind, right? You think of a church building. I mean, we probably know worship goes on outside that. But when you hear worship, that's usually the first place our mind is going to go to is we're going to think of a church. And we're not just thinking of everything that goes on in a church. When we hear the worship, the word worship, there's usually a specific activity that we're thinking of, right? Singing. We're we're thinking of singing, and and, and so, as a matter of fact, if you were to say to somebody or hear somebody say, man, we had great worship, aren't aren't you going to assume they're talking about it, church? And and you're probably going to assume they really like the music. Isn't it interesting we define great worship as the music I like? That's another message. We won't go there today, (laughs) but it's not about what I like. Isn't it about what he likes? and and what he enjoys and but but when we hear worship we're going to think of a building we're going to think of an activity which unfortunately if that's all of our, where our mind goes then we have reduced worship we've limited worship to something that happens in a building for 15 to 20 minutes a week and i bet god wants to expand it out beyond that a little bit don't you you know, when we look at a definition of worship, really, in any dictionary you open up and, and, and look up worship, you're going to find the word deity. It, it, usually when we think of worship, it's, it's about a godlike figure and, and what we're doing for that god figure. Uh, you're going to see words like reverence or adoration. Those are usually involved with that. I like kind of an old, very simple meaning of worship. Uh, Kind of an archaic, if you will, meaning of worship. And it's simply this, how we express the value of something, how we express the value of someone. So in other words, when you write a, a, a thank you letter to somebody and say, hey, I just wanted you to know how much I appreciate this about you or this thing you did, that by definition would be an act of worship. You, you give somebody a gift or you, you take them to dinner, again, just wanting to acknowledge what they mean in your life and how much you appreciate them, that would be an act of worship. I kind of like using that idea as, as a way of measuring, because that's what we're doing in these questions, I'm, I'm trying to measure how I'm worshiping. I like that idea of, hey, how am I acknowledging the value of God in my life? How, how, Where am I acknowledging the value of God in my life? And yes, man, I certainly want to do it with God's people gathered and in singing. The scripture has so much to say about that. And I think it's that singing that a lot of time becomes the fuel for our worship throughout the week. But a verse that doesn't include the word sing or song that kind of addresses worship is Romans 12.1. My guess is some of you have seen this or, or read this, but this is a, a kind of a good way to how we worship. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present. Now, there's a lot of words in this thing that could, we could spend time on. Uh, I, I could spend three sermons just on this one sentence. But two places we're going to kind of hone in on are this phrase, the mercies of God, and then present. So kind of hold on to that. So I, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a, as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. And that is your what? That's your worship. It says spiritual there, but don't be thrown off by that. that, that that's your worship. That's how you, how you worship God. Now, let's, let's see. It starts... He says, listen, I, want you, I appeal to you by this. I, I want you to start with this, the mercies of God. That very simply means that you and I are kind of sitting here thinking about what it means to us that we've been forgiven. We might be thinking of all the sins we've been forgiven. We might be thinking of a certain set or a certain one uh, that we've been forgiven of. We're thinking about what it means to us that we've been forgiven of that. Maybe, maybe along with that, we're thinking about what's been, you know, held at bay in our lives, Some of the consequences of those sins have been held at bay. You know, if you're like me, you've had to deal with some of the consequences of your sins. But do you realize how many of those consequences didn't come to fruition? I mean, it's it's true in my life. There's a lot of consequences I could have had, but God's forgiveness held that at bay. And then there's ultimately the future. Man, I mean, God held at bay hell. God held it, made that consequence in my life, and then there's all that comes because of forgiveness. Man, I, I know God's guidance, I know His presence, His peace, uh, heaven, the future I have with God, heaven. I, I, we, I get to enjoy all that. Where does all that come from? It comes from God's mercy. So Paul says, "Okay, listen. We want to worship. Start with thinking about God's mercies." And, and as we're kind of marinating in that, soaking up in all that, he says then, present your bodies. How many of you on your way to church today said, are you all ready to present your bodies to the Lord this morning? Did you even have the thought, oh, I'm going up to this building and I'm going to present my body. I, I, I bet not one person thought that, although I bet a lot of us in here have read and heard of Romans 12, 1 before. It, but yet that sounds a little I'm presenting my my body for, for worship and all of its pieces. You know what helps me understand Romans 12.1? Is another place in Romans where Paul talks about presenting our body. But it's in an entirely different direction. And, and it's a do not. Romans 6.13. He says, do not present your members. Now just a moment ago he said, hey listen, I want you to present your body for worship. Here we're being said, no, don't present your members to sin As instruments of unrighteousness. That makes sense, right? And when you put when you put these two verses together, or you put these two thoughts together, here's what I come away with: Don't present, Randy, your your lips, your your tongue. Don't present that to lies, to to curses. Don't don't present that for, for tearing down, for hurting, for gossiping, for causing tension, for, for causing division. Don't don't use your your lips and your tongue in that way. But instead, present your lips, present your tongue for song, right? For songs of worship. Present your tongue and, and lips for building up people, for encouraging people, for speaking truth. Don't don't present your hands for hurting for stealing, but but present your hands for doing good works. Folks, do you realize every single day of our lives and every minute of the day, your body parts are being used to worship or, or they're being used to advance unrighteousness. That's kind of an overwhelming thought, isn't it? I'd kind of like to think most of my day was accomplishing absolutely nothing. Wait a minute, no, that wouldn't make sense either. Yeah, all through the day... My body and its parts are either an expression to God uh, of how I value him or it's it's advancing unrighteousness. You see, when I lie, what, what, what I'm doing when I lie is, you know, I mean, I'm trying to protect myself from something, right? Or I'm trying to get something, you know, I'm exaggerating, making myself look good, you know. Because what I'm saying in the moment is, hey, this lie will protect me for something or this lie will get me something and I value that more than god I, I value what the lie can do for me more than what i value in god or the opposite hey that lie could serve me right here that lie could help me right here but i value god more i, I, I value who i am in god i value what i have in god more than what that lie would do for me or 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 i value what Wait, we value sexual purity don't we I value sexual purity. I value a, a biblical description of sexual identity, sexual activity, what, what sex is supposed to mean in our lives. And, and we value that. But now when we say we value, there's a cost to that. I mean, if I value that, then, then that means I, I don't, you know, if I'm single, I don't, I don't get to enjoy sex right now single or married i don't get to enjoy sex right now with whoever i want any way i want i don't get to use it to support my own identity my own desires only caring about myself i don't get to do i don't get to do any of that and i possibly incur judgment the judgment and the mockery of of the world around me that's certainly true in the united states today if you don't support an idea of sexuality that is well outside of Scripture, you, you get made fun of for that. You get mocked for that. But, but we, would undo, we would do that because God's worth it, right? It, it because of the worth and the value that, that we place in God. All, all of our obedience is saying, hey God, you're worth it. So, so how do we measure this? How do we measure Worship. Well, we, we could go back to song. We could start right there. Am I growing in my desire to sing? Am I getting better at singing? Gosh, if that was the question, I'm in trouble. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not growing. I, I, I don't get better year after year. As a matter of fact, I, I think I'm getting a little bit worse. at, at that. I mean, how, how do you make, hey, do, do, do I, do, am I growing in the joy of singing? Do I understand singing? How about this? Is it becoming more natural for me to sing? Because my guess is a lot of us in here, maybe even more than half, you know what? We didn't sign up for high school chorus, did we? We didn't take that because that that's not me. I, I, you know, I don't sing. I'm not good at singing. I, I would imagine some people in here have actually said, I, I don't like my voice. I, I don't like to hear myself sing, Right. Anybody like that? As a matter of fact, the only thing you don't like more than your own voice is the idea that the person next to you could hear your voice while you're singing. And so when we have this huge activity that we do in church where we all come together and sing, kind of seems to leave a lot of us out. You know, and, and, and we are. We're going to, you know, that, that, that's not, I'm not, not good, not good at that. This isn't me. I'm not comfortable with that. You know, I get that. That's a very real way to feel. Unfortunately, it's just not okay. Because in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18 to 21, it says that when the Holy Spirit really possesses this thing, when it has control of the body parts, it engages this. And it engages this so that song comes out. Did you know the lack of song? can be evidence that the Spirit is not really in control of my life? Man, I don't, I don't want that. You know, so see, when we're talking about measuring, hey, we can measure that. Do, you know, I'm, I'm still not good. I, trust me, I turn the... You know, when I don't turn this off and I'm down here singing, it doesn't come out because they turn it off back there. But there's a room right behind that screen and they can hear me singing in there. And they have a pretty good time with that. They've said... <laughs> I just want you to know, the people behind that wall right over there have said some very ugly things about your pastor and laughed at my expense because my song is going into a room right behind that wall right there. Hey, you know what? It, the Spirit takes over. I want to sing. And, and we can measure that, right? Do, do I understand more of what this is about? And, the, and the, We can measure obedience, you know, we talk, a lot of times we think of obedience as just about keeping rules, and whether I'm doing good enough to, I, th- I think God's real angry, and if I obey enough rules, He'll be happy with me. Oh no, gosh, it's not that at all. Do I do I find what I'm measuring in obedience is is do I find such a growing value of God in my life? I just want to lie less. I want to look away from porn more. I I, I want to be more faithful and consistent at forgiving enemies. I want to respond more rightly to to, to friends, to to my mate, to kids. Man, I want to pray. I I want to gather and sing. You see, it's not rule keeping that drives me. It's the value of God. Or not. If it's an or not, no, I, I don't really see... Uh, the value of God leading me to more obedience, then you know what we do? We circle back around to Romans 12, 1, and we start thinking a little bit more about the mercies of God. You know, here's, here's a question to leave with today What is it that you, that I, that we, what do we think we possess on this earth without the mercy of God? With, without His mercy, what is it I think I have? So we want to measure our worship. We want to be growing in worship. And then we have what we're looking at today also investing. Where am I investing? Now the interesting thing about today's topics is how they, they, they go together so tightly it doesn't sound like I'm changing topics. You see, next week... Or the week after that, when we look at the two measurements, the two questions, it'll be kind of like two little mini sermons in one sermon. You know, there'll be this topic and then there'll be this topic. But you won't hear that. You won't feel that today. It'll so much sound like it's the same thing. Worshiping, investing, they go they go hand in hand. Because what we invest is what we Value. See, we're still working around that word value. I think somebody that does this so well, that expresses this so well, is King David. I want to read a story out of his life. If you have your uh, Bible with you and want to read along, turn to First Chronicles twenty-one. First Chronicles. It's about a third of the way through your Bible. You'll see a whole bunch of first and seconds, first and second Samuel, first and second Kings. First and Second Chronicles. We're in the First Chronicle, uh, chapter 21, verse 18. 1 Chronicles 21, verse 18. It says there, Now the angel of the Lord had commanded Gad, not, not God, Gad. Gad is the name of a person, a kind of a different name, G-A-D. Uh, now the angel of the Lord had commanded Gad to say to David that David should go up and raise an altar to the Lord on the threshing floor of Ornon, uh, if you do have your Bible open, your translation might say "Aruna," and you might say, "Well is it Ornon or is it Aruna is there is there Does the Bible have two different names here No or- Ornon and Aruna are, are the same name it 's kind of like Bill and william they 're just kind of the same thing, and so some texts use one and some use the other, but it 's the same name, same person so uh, Raise an altar to the Lord on the threshing floor of Ornon the Jebusite. So David went up at Gad's word, which he had spoken in the name of the Lord. Now Ornon was threshing wheat. He turned and saw the angel, and his four sons who were with him hid themselves. As David came to Ornon, Ornon looked and saw David and went out from the threshing floor and paid homage to David with his face to the ground. And David said to Ornon, Give me the site of the threshing floor that I may build on it an altar to the Lord. Give it to me at its full price. That that the plague may be averted from the people. And then Ornon said to David, Take it, take it, take it all, and let my lord the king do what seems good to him. See, I give the oxen for burnt offerings and the threshing sledges for the wood and the wheat for grain offering. I, I give it all now, that's kind of a strange response. Usually when somebody comes up to you and says, hey, give me something and I'll pay for it, you don't, you don't hand them the keys and say, take everything, right? But you think about it. Ornan right now is in the midst of a really strange afternoon. I mean, first of all, he just saw an angel. Did you pick up that I read that? He, he saw an angel. You say, wonder what that experience was like. Well, his four kids ran away. They just got out of Dodge. I don't want to see this. I don't want to be around here. I'm out of here. And and, you know, I think when you and I, when we open the Bible, we kind of have this feeling, oh, that's that time when everybody saw angels. That's that period where miracles happened every day. You know, there was always a parting of the Red Sea. You know, that's not true at all. As a matter of fact, this book covers 1,500 years. Less than 100 of them are about where miracles are happening. Probably 99% of the people in this book never saw an angel. So I say that to say Ornan's having a really weird day. He has just had an encounter with an angel. We don't know anything. It just says he saw an angel. I don't know if they talked for two seconds or two minutes or if they even talked. All I know is his four boys ran away. So they has this encounter with an angel and then all of a sudden King, remember that word, King David, pulls up in the driveway. Imagine you're... Kind of monkeying around in your garage doing something, and all of a sudden there's the bright light, and and there's an angel. You're a little bit weirded out, right? And and then you step out of the garage because it's just a little bit weird in there. And and here comes the president's motorcade and the secret service. Pull. I mean, it happens every day, right? Oh Hugh again? What do you need help with this time? No, no. This is this is kind of what's happening to Ornan, and this you know on this Tuesday afternoon or whatever day it is, he has this encounter with an angel, and then the king comes in and he says, "Hey, listen." And we don't use the word threshing a lot, do we? Threshing floor, threshing. What he's basically doing is saying, "Hey, listen, I want your barn and everything in it." Now, kings. Kings kind of have the ability all throughout history, not just in the Bible. Uh, kings kind of pull up on property and just take what they want, don't they? Hey, listen, I'm going to take your slaves. Hey, I'm going to take your property. Hey, I'm going to take this. I mean, kings have done that all throughout history. But this king pulls up and says, listen, I don't want a discount. I, I, I don't want it half off. I don't want to play the king card here. I, I want your barn, all the stuff in it, and I want to pay full price. And and Ornan, look at this response. Now, he's having this weird day. He says, no, no, you uh, or no, look what David's response is. Verse 24, or 23, no, 24, where am I? But King David, verse 24, but King David said to Ornan, no, but I will buy them at full price. Ornan said, you can have every bit of it. And a second time, David uses the phrase full price. And he says, uh, so David paid Ornan six hundred shekels of gold. A shekel is two fifths of an ounce, so this is two hundred and forty ounces of gold. Uh, I think it was Tuesday. I checked the market, and gold was trading at twelve ninety an ounce, twelve ninety two. I don't remember the exact number now. I remember when I added or multiplied it out, it was three hundred and ten thousand dollars. That, that's the amount of money we just talked about right there. He said, no, I want it at full price. They agreed on a price, and David paid him three what would be to us today $310,000. And David built there an altar to the Lord and presented burnt offerings and peace offerings and called on the Lord, and the Lord answered him with fire from heaven upon the altar of burnt offering. You know, I, I think the line to me that stands out in that so much and, you know, I I would imagine some of you in here have heard that story before, read that before. It's probably not the most well-known story in the Bible by any stretch, but I find a line in there, one of the most intriguing lines in all of Scripture, that phrase where David says, I will not give to God that which costs me nothing. You know, folks, if you, if you think about it, if we're not thinking about it, it's real easy to get to a place where the only thing we give to god is that which costs us nothing and i'm not just talking about money here i mean it it can be a way we kind of approach every part of our relationship with god i mean when when do i go to church when i'm rested when all my chores are done and there's nothing to do today hey it's a pretty good day why not today you know when when it's when it's not going to keep me from doing something else when, it, when it's not going to keep me from something more important, well, then, then, we, then we slide it in there, doesn't really... This is a good day, won't be out of the way. How about obedience? When do we obey? And by the way, folks, I'm not implying that the only time we do this is this way. I'm saying it's very natural. When, when, when do we obey? I, I obey when everybody in the room is obeying. I obey when nobody in the room I'm fearful of is, is there. I, I i i obey when it doesn't you know make me look weird so we can get to a places where the only time we obey the only time we go hey when do we give what let me rephrase that why do we not give because i don't have enough I, I i too many bills i can't do that right now i mean giving is for people who you know just have money sitting around somewhere in a closet See, by the by the very statement, I don't have enough. What we're saying is when I have enough, when all my bills are paid and when I've done everything I want to do and could possibly do. Oh, and look, I got an extra 20. Here you go, God, do whatever you want with it. Don't spend it all in one spot. And I realize, man, going through those illustrations, it kind of sounds judgmental and kind of harsh and I don't actually intend it to sound that way. And I speak to myself as much as I speak to any of us. It's real easy to serve God in a way that it costs us nothing. But, but David said, man, I'm not going to live in a way that tells God, I really don't value you unless it doesn't cost me anything. But that's, that would be a contradiction of terms, Right. See, David's saying here, listen, what I give, how I speak, how I obey, what I want it to do, I want it to express your value. Folks, this is not suggesting that the only time you're worshiping, the only time you're obeying is if you're bleeding and, and as if it's costing you everything you have. No, I, I, I don't think it needs to be anything like that at all. But I do think we need to think, hey, is the only time I'm doing that when it's convenient, when it's easy, when it, when it, doesn't, when it doesn't matter? to me. See, it's all about what we value in this world. You know, it's, it's a heart issue. Jesus said that, didn't he? He said, hey, listen, where, wherever your treasure is, that's where your heart's going. Whatever you treasure, if we treasure money, we're going to put more money toward money. If we treasure a relationship, you know, our time, our energy, our money is going that way. We treasure all kinds of, we can treasure vacationing, we, we, we can treasure things. We can treasure our job. We, we can treasure a hobby. And you always know what somebody treasures because their time, their energy, and their money is good. You can't help. You cannot help but move it that way because it's what you value. So you probably think now at this point you're going to say, and, and you know what, folks, you're not supposed to value anything in this life except God and going to church. That's all you're supposed to value. No, of course not. And there's a lot of wonderful things to value to enjoy and to experience in this world and i actually believe god enjoys watching you have joy you know you know why i think that cuz i enjoy watching my kids have fun i really enjoy watching my kids have fun when they're having some fun at something i gave them or or an opportunity that i provided when i've done that and then they're enjoying that's a cool feeling i think that would be true for about any father and let me tell you something, the Father in heaven is a ton better than me. He enjoys watching us. Enjoy. I believe God enjoys watching you and uh, experience a good meal. Say, well, how, how would you know something like that? Because he gave you taste buds. I mean, think about it, folks. Taste buds are not a requirement for sustaining life. It's not required that I enjoy the food and taste the food to put it in, to put in the nutrients, to put in the calories I need. It, 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 tasting and enjoying is not required. But, but, but he made it so that it could be enjoyed. Sex. But it's not required that it be pleasurable for us to kind of keep the whole population moving forward type thing. But, but he made it that way. How, how, about, the, how, how about just the joy of Gosh, think what happens when you come up on the beach or for some of us like myself, it's more the mountains than the beach. But man, our eyes just kind of blow open with joy and, and all of our senses are just kind of flooded with, with peace and happiness and a sense of well-being, right? Why? Why do all of our senses come alive when we enjoy something? Because God made it that way. It's not necessary. It's not required but, but God made it that way. So he wants us to enjoy a lot of things. But Jesus in his kindness, Jesus in his wisdom says, Hey, listen, I, 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 you know, I've watched humanity here for a long time. I know how you are. If you're not careful, you'll pour everything you've got into what you treasure on this earth. A- a- every moment, every extra dollar, you, you, you're, all your energy, you'll pour everything toward what you treasure and what you treasure on this earth, it well, it all kind of ends up in a dump somewhere. I mean, ultimately, it all burns, right? And so Jesus says, hey, listen, treasure, enjoy, have fun with it. That's why my dad made it. But, listen, I want to give you a piece of advice. Send some to heaven. Send some to heaven which is I find one of the more interesting directives in Scripture because it, Jesus makes that statement but doesn't explain very much about it. In other words, why? Why, why do I need money in heaven? And, and I would imagine we're sending different amounts, right? So when I get there, I mean, like, does, do some of us have more than others? And what do we do with it? You know, I don't, I don't find anywhere in Scripture where any of those kinds of questions are answered. All I've got is Jesus... Saying, hey Randy, listen to me. Have fun, enjoy it, but you want to send some to heaven. Do you realize at that point, every single one of us makes a single decision. Do I trust him? The decision is not whether I have enough or not. The decision is, do I trust trust them do do i trust jesus telling me hey listen i know you're enjoying the 50 60 70 80 years here but eternity whoo it's like forever i'm telling you send some ahead i either say man thank you jesus for that because i would have never done it on my own thank thank you or do i say send it ahead to heaven got you jesus got my special envelope for heaven right here i'll tell you when the mailman comes by and asks for it i'll give it to him Yeah, I mean, we really, we just choose whether we trust that or not. And a part of why Jesus tells us that too is not just so that we have this in heaven. I don't fully understand that. But it is about our heart because our heart is so tied to where we, what we treasure. And and, and so when I discipline, when we discipline ourselves to give to heaven, we start disciplining our heart toward God. We start disciplining our heart toward heaven and eternal things so that our heart's not totally sunk into the temporary, into the now. Now, how how do we give to heaven. Jesus refers, as does the rest of scripture, two primary ways. I'm not saying only two, but there's two that are most often mentioned. I don't think these will come as a surprise to you. One way, giving to God. That's his church, his work, the expanse of his kingdom. The other one, boy, Jesus, oh, so much. This is on the heart of Jesus. Giving to the poor. And these are two things. These are two ways I, I, I give it to heaven. Okay, so now how do I measure that? Because That's what these questions are about. How do I measure that? Well, I mean, I guess one question: would be, did I give more? Did I did I give more this year than I gave last year? That, that'd be one way, but it wouldn't always be the right question. I mean, what what if I made less this year than I made last year? What what if I've made less the last four years th- than I made prior to that? Could I still be growing? And it met well, yeah, because sometimes it's a commitment. Sometimes maybe we're measuring the percentage, the percentage, the number might go down, but the percentage is still the same. Am I growing in my understanding? You know, do I understand why I'm giving and, and what this is about? Do, do, am I growing in my attitude? You know, do I have, what does the Bible say? God loves a what kind of giver? Cheerful, yeah, y'all, a lot of y'all know that. God loves a cheerful giver. Do I approach giving as like, golly, they, we have to pay taxes at church too, I've never had fun paying taxes, have you? Yeah, but but yet sometimes we can treat giving that. And of course, when we treat giving like a tax, then we're constantly evaluating, do I really have to do this? And and can I get somebody to get, help me whittle this down to the smallest number possible? Boy, that's kind of missing the... What, what am I doing? I'm trying to express the value of God in my life, not whittle a tax down to its smallest amount. So, you know, we, we can measure those kinds of things. And, and, and we can do that whether we're giving to God or, or giving to the poor. Do I understand the reason behind that? You know, in both of these things, to me, there's like two ways of giving. There, there's what I call kind of your, your discipline consistent giving. You, you, you do it every week, every, every month, twice a month. Uh, you do that just to kind of be at a baseline of obedience you know, that that for me uh, would be like giving the tithe. Karen and I give 10% of our gross income to the church. Whatever else is going on, whatever else we're excited about, whatever else we're wanting to give to, we give, we give our tithe, we give 10% to the church. And then we learn about other things. There's a mission trip or there's this opportunity. We have four or five ministries outside of our church that are very important to us, that, that, that are doing issues and things that are important. To us. We, we'll, so we'll give some money to that. Also, so you got kind of the the baseline, and then you've got the opportunities. Now, with church, and I'm talking about me now, with church that seems easier than than giving to the poor. I mean, in, in church, I go there, the plate comes by, I, I I give it. There's a real consistent, easy way to do that. And yes, opportunities pop up, but with the with the poor, it seems more like I don't really know this like this way I would regularly, consistently do that, and it would just be these. Opportunities, you know, the the guy holding the sign, you know, it, I mean, is, is is that all I can do? Is, is is that the only opportunity there is? Or maybe maybe you learn about a, a friend in need, but that can kind of be spaced out. How do I get to a baseline? Now, with the church, I've had a lot of joy in this. And and I know all of our experiences with church over the years have been different. Probably 40 of my 52 years. Have been, I've been mostly involved with three specific churches. And in all three of those churches, it's been a blessing for me in that I, I just enjoyed giving there. I, I, I trusted what they were doing with the money. I trusted how it was managed. I could see that it was going to things that I believed the church and, and, and what God wanted to do with that money. I, 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 could see, I mean, that does make it easier, right? My guess is more than one of us have been in a church where you gave and you wanted to obey the Lord, but... Maybe, do they know what they're doing? Is this going where it's supposed to go? You know, we have those questions. For me, I've never had that with church. But when it comes to giving to the poor, that's been more my experience. And I've kind of hesitated sharing this because I don't know how it makes me sound. I don't know if it makes me sound uncaring or, or not compassionate. But I, I just have not enjoyed as much in this area. Man, I open scripture and it really seems to be the heart of Christ. That this is not just something I do when it when it pops up. I, I see the guy holding the sign, you know, at the street corner. But, but, but when I give to that, I'm, and I'm just being honest, this is just me. Man, the moment I give, sometimes I think, is that what I should have done? Is that, What is he doing with it? Maybe I know what Oh, that's golly, I shouldn't have done that. Did I give too much? Did I give too little? And and, and granted, most of what I'm talking about here is when I'm giving to someone or something that I really don't know much about. But it just seems like for me, there's been more question and uncertainty and not always a a, a confidence in doing. So it's been it's made it harder. And uh, but you know what? I'm telling all this is kind of an illustration. Man, I want to grow. Lord, I want to ask myself, where, where am I investing? Is my heart moving toward yours? And and it's, it's been kind of exciting the last couple of years. I mean, Karen and I have really talked and prayed about this. And probably, now this won't say much about two decades, but but we probably have done more in this area in the last four or five years than we did in the prior 25 years of our marriage. But even even as we grow and try to do more, it's again, it's, sometimes it's those questions. Well, this past, well, was about two years ago, uh, I, I, I got introduced to uh, a ministry, believe it or not, that's in Southern Baptist life. I mean, I've, I've been a Southern Baptist pastor for 25 years and didn't know this ministry existed. But it's a ministry called Mission Dignity, and and what Mission Dignity does is they they provide money, they provide resources for those living below the poverty line. But it's a specific those they 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 provide resources for retired pastors. And or their their widows that that are living below the poverty line, and it's it, it's it's kind of hard to get on on the. Li- I mean, it's it's kind of tr- intrusive. The reason I learned about it is I'm I'm on a board of trustees, and I was put on a committee that that oversees mission dignity. We look at their their values, how they're making their decisions, and then we go over the candidates, the the applications, if you will, that that come in. And uh, man, they. they you know these are these are pastors that have worked that have served 30 40 years and uh as they've retired they're they're well below the the poverty line and i mean they're they have to turn in their savings and what they i mean not turn give it i mean they have to like all their financial records and everything uh you, you know to make that list and then we we review that and go over it and they'll get a significant amount of money they'll, they they can get hundreds to, there's two levels it's also based on whether it's a pastor and his wife or a, a widow or a, a, a widowed pastor. You know, it'll, it'll look at that and there's like two levels of giving, but it'll be thousands of dollars over two, two years. And then at the end of two years, they have to, they have to reapply. And um, one of the neat things about this ministry, there was one guy that was so moved by what Mission Dignity did that he gave millions but he said, I want my millions to ca- last for a really long time. So what he did is he set up a foundation. And that foundation funds all the administrative costs of Mission Dignity, the salaries of the of the people that, that run the organization, the office supplies. I mean, it takes office supplies to do this, right? So that is all paid for. So when Karen and I give or you give or somebody gives to Mission Dignity, 100% of it, is going to help that person. I, I got got to know one of these individuals. I, I ended up in a relationship with somebody on the on the list. This guy's in his 70s now. He's not in good health, and um, he served 40 years in the ministry, and and the bulk of his ministry was in New Mexico, and uh, he served American Indians. Well, I mean a lot of the American Indians, at least where he was, themselves were impoverished. And, and so they, they had nothing to, to give to him. To pay. I mean, they'd have an adobe house, a little hut thing. And after that house, they paid him in chickens. I mean, re- honestly, they paid him in chickens. It was just trying to keep food on his table. As a matter of fact, he told me in 40 years of ministry, the most he ever made in one year was $5,000. I'm not talking about a pastor that served in 1924, This is the 1980s, 1990s, 2000s, and he never had a year where he made more than $5,000. So he lived his ministry in poverty. And when he retired, he lost the chickens. Now he doesn't have the adobe hut. Now he doesn't have the chickens. He's retired now. He's got nothing, no savings, no retirement. He's always got Social Security. Yeah, you know your Social Security is based on what you contributed all those years. He he contributed almost nothing. So he's living in just utter and total poverty. And I'll tell you something. It's one of the great joys of my life. And I wouldn't have done it on my own. I just saw it because Jesus said, hey, I really want you to have a heart like mine. It's one of the joys of my life that I now have something I can give to regularly. And and, and folks, we have almost a thousand pastors on the list at Mission Dignity. Almost a thousand pastors and their wives in retirement that that is being served in that. You know, I I, I share all that and I took a lot of time. You think, man, what are you getting some kind of kickback for saying all that? No, I I don't even get a T-shirt. I get nothing. I'm not even on that committee anymore. Uh, but I tell you what, it's just I know how much it is the heart of Jesus. And I know how much, I'm I'm guessing I'm not the only one in here. When you've tried to do something, it's not always been rewarding. It maybe left you with more questions. Maybe you saw something and think, ah, I shouldn't have done that. Jesus said one is saying, ah, I shouldn't have done that. What mission dignity gave me, and it's not the only thing. I still want to be sensitive to needs in, in, my, in our church family, needs of people I know, and even some of those strangers that pop up every now and then. But what that gives me is a way month in and month out to be obedient and to direct a heart toward, toward what is the heart of Christ and so, you know, folks, if that's something that you're interested in, I mean, you, you, don't, you don't need me for that. I put inside the bulletin uh, a little a little description there of Mission Dignity, their website, missiondignity.org. Uh, if you want to check that out on your own, and if that's something, you, man, that's exact, I would like to do something like that. Man, you go to them, you read about it. You, if you want to donate to them, you can do that all through uh, their site and, and, and be a part of that. But I was also thinking, I would love if our church would do this. If we would do it as not not just as a group of individuals, but but as a church, you know, from the Heights Baptist, because that's a part of our dream, man. That's a part of our dream is impacting our community and our world. Man, if if we as a church were to give a gift to mission dignity. And uh, so, you know, if if that's something you want to be a part of, I'm going to I'm going to be a part of it. I came prepared today because I knew what the preacher was talking about. And uh, but, you know, Karen and I do this individually. I I do it through the the website, but I've I've written a check today. I made it out to the Heights Baptist, but I put in the in the memo section down there mission dignity. I want to be a part of our church giving a gift uh, to to mission dignity. And we do other things. We do things right here in our community for feeding and and caring and for helping the poor. But uh, this is folks, there are some people out there that are impoverished that have worked hard their entire life. And and their their poverty is not of any any fault or any bad decisions or anything like that. They've just worked really hard, and the hard work they did, the hard work God called them to do, it, it just didn't pay off that very much. Man, what a blessing to help uh, to help feed and, and take care of a person like that. So we're going to have ushers at the door uh, as, as we go out this Sunday night. Again, I know probably a lot didn't maybe come prepared. Man, anything five dollars anything would be, uh, I, I think, I don't know what we'll give as a church, 1,500, 5,000. I don't, I don't know what we'll give. I'll let you know what we did. But uh, man, if this is something you want to do, if you're prepared today or maybe come back next week and, and put something in, they'll, they'll be at the doors on the way out next week. But, you know, folks, this is kind of what we're talking about with these questions. If I'm always asking the question, then I keep myself sensitive to what God wants to do in my life, right? I keep myself in a place where God can begin to do things through me that are so far beyond. And and what if, what if 2,500, 3,000 of us all together were thinking about and measuring God's value in our lives and how we express that value at school, at work, in our marriage, in our home, and everywhere we go. Folks, when, when, when 3,000 of us are all together trying to express the value of God in our lives, we'll be an unstoppable force for good in the 804. Does that make sense? You understand what I'm talking about? You know I thought was we as we finished today and wrap today i, I don 't I don't want to leave yet. I want to ask Dale and his team to come back up and Now that we 've had a chance to think about this and, and maybe think of god 's mercy and his value in our lives let 's just worship. One more time in song and then maybe on the way out we have another opportunity if we're ready and prepared to express His value in that way. But, but let this song, let your voice and lips right now express to God just all that He means to you.
1: Stand together, church family. Bless the Lord with our voices. he is worthy, is holy, God we praise your holy name, bless the Lord oh my soul, oh my soul, worship his holy name, sing like name.
0: Father, we come before you today, and I just pray, God, we just used our lips, our throat, our tongue. We, we presented to you our body. We used those pieces to express how valuable you are, what your name means to us. God, I pray you'll help us all this week use our body every piece of it and in some cases doing some things in other cases not doing some things because we value you that much oh lord i i i guess there's probably not anybody in here that 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 is a hundred percent there no, no, Nobody in here is all the way there to where every time we open our mouth, every step we take, every act, every word, everything we do with our hands, that, that everything about it is expressing that value. We've got so much to grow. God, I thank you that as we seek to grow, you're patient, you're merciful, you're full of kindness and grace. Lord, I pray that we use that patience, we use that grace to grow. To constantly be thinking how every day, every month, every year, we're moving a little bit further. God, would you guide us this week? Open our eyes. Let let us present our eyes to you for worship. Open our eyes to all the things going on around us and how our body parts are serving an instrument for sin. Or expressing the value of you. And Lord I pray that every one of us. Would never get over the thought. How can I in this response. How can I in this day. Express just how valuable you are to me O oh God. It's in Jesus name we ask for your help. Amen. Amen.